السلام عليك زين الأنبياء السلام والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه الحمد لله We are going to continue on our exploration of these beautiful meanings of futuwa and what we have heard tonight that should move our hearts and stir up what is inside and hopefully that as our teachers have always emphasized to us is that the gatherings that we sent in require us ultimately to acquire traits that we leave with when we go out into the world. The purpose of these gatherings are not just to sit here and think about these and enjoy these beautiful melodies. It's perfectly fine to enjoy these beautiful melodies. However, is that these gatherings are very real. They're very real. Do we realize what we are asking for in them? These blessed prayers that we are saying, these words that have come on the tongue of an Arif Billah, a knower of Allah Jalla Jalalu, who was inspired with them, do we understand their implications? What are we asking for? We are asking for the greatest things of all that you could possibly ask for. And all of the details that are mentioned in the blessed da'awat, the invocations, the supplications that are in this blessed compilation of the events of the life of the Prophet ﷺ in summarized fashion, we are asking for things that are really expensive. They are aziz, they are precious. And Allah Taala through His generosity and His bounty that He does bestow Him upon His servants, who always see themselves, that is, those who receive them as entirely undeserving of them. This is from his fadl, this is from his bounty and from his grace, tabarakah wa ta'ala. And all we're supposed to do is to prepare ourselves so as we repeat these blessed words, it's very important that our hearts are present because we don't know when is going to be the moment of istijaba, when is going to be the moment that the prayer is answered. And we don't know. It could be that one moment remains with us and changes our eternal life. It could take just one moment. All it takes of one moment where you expose yourself to receive the gaze of Allah Jalla Jalalu, whereby which if you receive that, He will never punish you ever. These are opportunities for us in a very real way. And yes, that we should enjoy them. And yes, that we should be happy absolutely. How could you not be happy when you understand why these gatherings were established? They were established so that we could increase in love of Allah, in love of His Prophet, increase in attachment to Allah, in attachment to our Prophet wasallam, and the great inheritors who have carried on this message generation after generation until this day and age. This is why when we speak of this word tradition, we should be very clear, is that we don't want to live in some type of utopian past. Yes, the exemplars preceded us and they came before us. But our job is to do our best, knowing that we're going to fall not only short, but really short. But we do our best to follow in their footsteps and emulate them. In hopes that, that when we return to Allah Jalla Jalalu, is that we will either be in under one of their banners or have a banner of our own. And that reminds me of a story of one of the righteous young men during the time of Habib Ali bin Muhammad al-Habshi. He, from sitting in the gathering of Habib Ali al-Habshi, 
is that his spiritual potential was ignited. And all of a sudden is that he started waking up in the wee hours of night and worshiping. He started setting out on a path to acquire sacred knowledge. He was eating less and he was focusing more on the afterlife and he was still a young man to the extent that his merciful mother, as mothers tend to be, they're especially worried, and both parents are worried, but they're especially worried about what their son or their daughter is eating and if they're sleeping enough and so forth. And there has to be one of them at least who is especially worried about those things. So she was worried about her son. And so she comes to Imam Ali ibn Muhammad Habshi and she says that my son is doing A, B, and C, and she described his state. And he went and he spoke to this young man and he said, it's probably better you take it a little bit easy. You should really try to achieve a balance in your life and to put everything in its proper place. And don't that t- trouble yourself too much because no, even if you exert yourself in worship, you have ancestors that will intercede for you and you can still attain great ranks. And he responded to Imam Ali ibn Muhammad Habshi. And he says, Habib Ali, is that when I hear about my ancestors, I believe that each one of them is going to have a raya. They're going to have a banner on the Day of Judgment. And there's going to be a lot of people under that banner. He said, I don't just want to be under the banner of someone else. I want to have my own banner on the Yom Qiyamah. And Habib Ali Habshi reconsidered. He says, if that's your intention, he says, فَأَقْبِلْ Set on your path to Allah Jalla Jalalu. And he went back and he informed his mother that just let this young man go. This is a himma mubarakah. This is a blessed that intention and a blessed that spiritual aspiration that inshallah ta'ala, Allah will grant him that. These are gatherings where we learn to understand what this divine address is. When we talk about the khitab rabbani, Allah Ta'ala has addressed the Prophet and addressed the Ummah and addressed all children of Adam in his book, Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And there's different degrees of this address and different categories of this address. But where are we going to learn this? If we don't learn it in gatherings of knowledge, if we don't learn it in gatherings of remembrance, you're not going to learn this in the university. You are definitely not going to learn this online. You're not going to learn this in the public sphere. You're not going to learn this in corporate America or wherever it is that you are working. On the contrary, you are oftentimes exposed to things that will cause you to change your principles or to go back on your principles or they'll lure you into a way that is not from the way of our Prophet ﷺ. Where are we going to learn these meanings then? This is why it is so important that we really think deeply about creating the necessary environments that we need to nurture our own souls and to inculcate in them the meanings that the Prophet ﷺ inculcated into the hearts of the companions that led outwardly to everything that it is that they achieved and they did. Beginning first and foremost at the level of belief, and then having that translate into and inform all traits of character, and have that lead to ultimately dealings between us and other people that are of to, according to the highest ethical standard that our Prophet came with sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
These are gatherings that we're reminded of these meanings that we hope, not because of anything that you and I have done, but because of who we are connected to and the people that established these gatherings and the people that came before them that established these gatherings. And unfortunately, there are some people that might see them as boring. There are some people that might miss what actually is taking place in them. And they might even put them into question. They might even question the methodology behind them. And how is this even benefiting? How is this actually even helping me? And this person is miskeen. This person is miskeen. And we should have mercy and empathy on people like that. And that people that have not, don't believe in that the wilaya of the wali. And in, I'm reading the meaning by this, the people that establish these gatherings and who the connection is to, is that there's only so much they're going to benefit and from the mercy of Allah Ta'ala, everyone benefits. But al-madad ala qadr al-mashhad, the greater your outlook, the more you're going to benefit. The more you realize the importance of coming together for His sake. Again, this is not just to come together for the sake of coming together. This is coming together with purpose and with intention. And it would be an amazing thing if no matter how busy someone was, is that they set aside this time. This is not Thursday night of the work week where you have to go to work on Friday. Yes, it is Thursday night, but this is Laylatul Jum'ah. This is the night that precedes Jum'ah. We are now part of the day of Jum'ah because the day extends from Maghrib until Maghrib. This is Juma. This is a day that our Prophet said, خَيْرُ يَوْمًا طَلَعْتَ عَلَيْهِ الشَّمْسِ It is the best day that the sun has shone upon. This is not just any day. And even though we might have to go to work in the morning, that's fine. But let's at least have the correct conception and allow our internal clock to tick according to the Hijrah calendar from the Blessed Prophet Muhammad ﷺ that he gave us and was established shortly after his passing during the time of Sayyidina Umar bin al-Khattab. This is how our internal clock should tick, is that we are in Safar and about halfway through Safar and we are very close to the very special month in which our Prophet was born, Rabi al-Awwal, we should all be preparing our hearts and we should prepare in our hearts to rejoice and to show a special love. We show love for the Prophet and celebrate his birth and celebrate his message and his life and everything about him in every moment, or at least we should. But we especially celebrate it in the month and the specific times that relate to that his blessed life, sallallahu by connecting back to it. And so these are immense opportunities and we ask Allah ta'ala to give us tawfiq despite our shortcomings and to allow us to prepare as we should for this special night. The righteous, part of their adab of Juma was they like to get worldly things done on Thursday or even before so they could free themselves up from Maghrib of Juma until Maghrib of the next day. They wanted to find ways to free themselves up. So anything that could be done to the extent possible that way that they could focus on this blessed night and to dedicate it to the afterlife and to turn their heart to Allah Jalla Jalalu. And so if we look at some of these further meanings of futuwa, of spiritual chivalry, we find many of them and most of them in fact actually relate to character traits that we have in relation to other people. 
And so the next trait is وَمِنِ الْفُتُوِّتِ الْمُسَاعَدَةُ مَعَ الْإِخْوَانِ مُمُوَافَقَتُهُمْ It is from futuwa to help friends and get along with them. And so the helping is clear. We all need to be there to help our friends, especially in times of need. In general, it's good to be helpful. And this is a trait. This person is helpful. They're always open to helping. They are looking for opportunities to help, in fact. And these are, this is what true people do. They look for opportunities to help. And that there's degrees, of course, of being helpful. But especially, you can't really say someone is a brother if they don't help you in a time of need. But also, and this is oftentimes not really explained in detail, وَمُوَافَقَتُهُمْ Which is, I believe, beautifully rendered here. As in get along with them. Carrying yourself in a way where you're agreeable. Where you're easy to get along with. You're not difficult. And you're not super picky. And you're not demanding in the relationship. And maybe your friend wants to go to this place. And no, no, we have to go to this other place. I'm not going to that place. It's good within reason and of course within boundaries. That to be agreeable and to do what the other person wants to do and to give up what you want for what they want. And likewise, they should give up sometimes what they want for what you want. And of course, this is definitely within the boundaries of Sharia. And this is definitely within the boundaries of what is considered to be ethical. But in general, is that to carry yourself in a way where you're easy to get along with, this is from the traits of Futuwa. And again, think about Futuwa as this way of being that really is like a glue in a community, is like glue to your relationships. It, it produces this cohesiveness with the hearts and keeps them together. And it allows the fruits of relationships to come to the surface. And there is much more that can be said by this, but Imam al-Sulami mentions the blessed story of the Prophet ﷺ as an example where Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, one of the great companions of the Rasul, that he said, I made a meal for the Messenger of Allah and I invited him, and he came with a few of his companions. So when the food was served, one of those present said, I'm fasting. So the man made food, he invited people there, and the Prophet was with them. And one of them said, I'm fasting. And then the Messenger of Allah looked at him and said, Is that your brother invited you and he went out of his way to make this food for you. And then the Prophet said to him, Is that break your fast and fast another day later that if you wish. And of course, we have to understand this hadith in light of all of the other hadith. If it is a qada, fard, obligatory fast, you don't break your fast. So there's ways that the ulama spanning the different schools have understood that breaking a supererogatory fast, but anyways the principle remains is that he said to him that break your fast and fast another day in place of it. Why? Because your brother went out of his way to do this for you. And by carrying yourself in a way, even though it might be late asr, all you have is an hour and a half, two hours, and you're thinking about your own self, I don't want to break my fast, I just want to wait. But 
it will actually make your brother feel better for you to break your fast and to eat with him. This is a classic example of being agreeable. And with these, if we are intelligent, we will spend time reflecting on our own behavior, how and how we are not agreeable. And then the next one that we, and final one we'll take for today, he says, وَمِنَ الْفُتُوَّةِ أَنْ يَبْدَأَ فِي رِفْقِهِ بِأَصْحَابِهِ دُونَ خَاصَّتِهِ And this translates as, it is from futuwa to care for your brothers, more so than for those that you care for from those that are close to you. And you might even translate it here as your own family. And someone hears this like, wait a second. You're going to care for your brothers more than your own family. Well, let's look at the example that Imam Sulami mentions. And he will root this ultimately in the sunnah of our Prophet ﷺ. And there's multiple narrations. He mentions the shorter one, but I want to mention the two longer ones. And this is where we also get this blessed invocation that is to be said just before we go to bed, which if we say it, it will assist us in everything that we do during the day. It will make a hard day easy. Even if you're doing the exact same thing, Allah Ta'ala can make the exact same work easy for you if He wills. And the greatest thing that we can do is to rely upon Allah and not rely upon anything outwardly. And this is what our Prophet wanted for those that were closest to Him. So in this story, according to one narration of in, by Abu Nu'im in the Hilya, is that the context of it is that Sayyidah Fatima is that she was expecting and that when she was cooking, making, baking bread and she was close to the tanur, which is like an oven that bread is cooked in, is that sometimes she would get so close that it would that almost burn her that near where she was carrying the child. And so she came to the Prophet ﷺ and she asked him for a servant to help her in the household duties. And what did the Prophet say to her? He said to her that how can I give you a servant when Ahl al-Sufa, those special people that were living that in a place attached to the mosque of the Prophet ﷺ and had no one to take care of them and no income and no livelihood. He says, how could I give you a servant when Ahl al-Sufa is that their stomachs are hurting out of pain. Their stomachs are in pain from hunger. And then the Prophet said, Allah adulluka ala khayran min dharika. Shall I not indicate to you something that is even better than that? And then he said, Ida awaita ila farashik. Is that when you lie down to go to bed, to sabbihin allaha wa tahmidinuhu thalathan wa thalathina. Is that say subhanallah 33 times. Say alhamdulillah 33 times. Wa tukabbirinu arba'an wa thalathin. And then you say Allahu Akbar 34 times. So you say subhanallah 33 times, alhamdulillah 33 times, and Allahu Akbar 34 times. And she put this into practice. And after that her work became easier. Life is always going to be hard. But if you have divine assistance, is that what is normally hard will be made easy and facilitated for you. And then in the longer narration, that... This is narrated by Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib. Is that, he says, is that when 
the Prophet ﷺ married him to Fatima is that he sent with her and these were their possessions. So when we put our marriages in context and we put dowries nowadays into context and the parties and the money that we spend, this is the marriage of the daughter of the best of creation. The daughter of the best of creation. He sent a khamila. It's like a blanket. He sent a wisada, a pillow. Not a memory foam pillow. A pillow that was that filled with palm fibers, a leather pillow filled with palm fibers. He sent two mills where you could grind that grain. And he sent a water skin where they would keep their water and two jars, like containers. And that's it. Those were the possessions that they had when they got married and whatever else Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib might have been in possession of. And so then one day, as the narration goes on, Sayyidina Ali became tired from drawing water from a well. And Sayyidina Fatima said that she became tired from that grinding so much grain. She was getting sores on her hand from grinding so much grain. And it was right around this time that the Prophet was given wealth and he was given servants. And so they decide, she decided that she was going to go ask the Prophet for a servant. So she goes to the Prophet ﷺ with this intention. And then Rasulullah looks at her and says, مَا جَعَبِيكَ bunayya." What have you come for, O oh, young daughter, little daughter of mine? Beloved daughter, Bunay, beloved daughter of mine. And then she says, alik. I came to send salams to you. And she tells Sayyidina Ali after, I was too embarrassed to ask him. So I just returned. And then that he, he, they decided to go together. So Sayyidina Ali now goes with Sayyidina Fatima. And they explain to their condition. Sayyidina Ali said, I've been drawing so much water from the well my chest hurts. Sayyidina Fatima says, I've been grinding so much grain that I have sores on my hand. Can you give us a servant? What did the Messenger of Allah say? By Allah, how could I give you a servant and leave Ahl Sufa that with all of their pains of hunger? He says, I don't have any wealth to spend on them. I have to sell that merchandise. I have to sell something and then to get money to give them something. And that then the Prophet ﷺ came to visit them after this, in this narration. And he saw them in, the, in their blanket that they are using. And the blanket of Sayyidina Ali and Sayyidina Fatima was described as, is that when they would cover their heads, their feet would show. When they would cover their feet, their head would show. It wasn't even big enough for them. It was only a limited amount of covering. And then the Prophet ﷺ entered into their presence and that they wanted to get up, but he said, stay there. And he said, shall I not inform you of something that is greater than what you asked me about? And they said, of course. He says, I'm going to teach you some things to say that Gabriel taught me to say. And in this narration, we have an addition. He said that you say after every prayer 10 times that subhanallah, alhamdulillah, and Allahu Akbar. And then when you go to bed at night, is that you say 33 times subhanallah, 33 times Alhamdulillah and 34 times Allahu Akbar. And this is what the Prophet gave them, وسلم, teaching them to rely that upon Allah Jalla Jalalu. And 
one of the preconditions that they mention that if you're going to be, because keep in mind, Fatuwa is a lofty rank, is that you can't do this at home with your family unless they are able to support you in it. If they're not, you have to deal with them as they are. But if they both reach that degree where this is where they're at, there's no doubt unquestionably how great this is. There's no doubt unquestionably how much closer this is to the way of the Rasul. And if I think about my own teachers, is that when they built the school that they are now teaching in, it didn't start as it was. It started where the student stayed in his home. They didn't even have another place to stay in his own home. And they did the classes in the local mosque. And then eventually they got some type of small dorm, if you could even call it that. And then they got a second one. And then eventually the school was built where there was some that uh, prayer space and some basic classrooms and some place to stay that were like dormitories. But at first they stayed in the home of the teacher. And it was cold at night. And there's one story that is still told to this day where one of the students didn't have a blanket. And that the teacher gave that person a blanket. And then another one needed a blanket, so they gave him another blanket because they were cold. And then there was one last person who needed something else to cover them. But the blanket they received smelled not so great. And so he was really bothered, how could he give me this blanket? And it turns out in the morning he found out is that they gave them the blanket of his young son, who was only a few years old. And he slept cold or just with whatever was available covering him at night. So the student could sleep. And it smelled like urine because it was for a young boy. And this is the way these people are. This is what you see them 30 years later with everything that they're doing. This is their beginning. This is how they were. And the people that are with them, their wives and their children and the people around them were just as willing to sacrifice as they were. Because as that our dear beloved Sheikh Nuh Keller has said, truth is spread with sacrifice. There is no way to spread truth without sacrifice. If we do not sacrifice as individuals and as a community, there is no way for what we are doing to be accepted with Allah and to be real and to that then last beyond our lives. This is not just about me and this is not just about you. Is that what we hope is to come together for an affair and do something that is going to extend way beyond our lives. Even if we see ourselves as nothing, we see ourselves as having very little knowledge, very little worship, very little sincerity, very little of anything other than just a hope in Allah Jalla Jalalu, is that through if you can even call it an intention, is that Allah from His presence, despite our state, will place blessing in something that will bring happiness to the heart of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because we know if people come to this deen, and people learn His sunnah, and then people that come to travel the path and to know Allah, this will bring happiness to the heart of the Rasul. And this is what we are seeing, all of us here, ultimately, in this place and in this time, that we are in the blessing of the Messenger were not to be for him, we would not be here. May Allah Ta'ala place barakah in his what we are doing in blessing and accept from us Jalla Jalalu. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala bring our hearts together and to bless us to live these meanings. 
And even if we're not living them, bless us to desire them. If we're not desiring them, bless us to at least know them so that one day that we can desire them, turn to our law constantly in hopes that they become something of reality within us. And may we live and die upon them. And may the very last thing that we say when we exit this dunya be la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah completely actualizing its meanings inwardly and outwardly. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadan wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen.